Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Welcome to The Point, an opinion show coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lu Xin. The Chinese People's Liberation Army conducted live-fire drills near Taiwan in response to U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to the island. China also suspended uh, cooperation with the United States on climate change and several other fields. The great majority of the international community, including international organizations such as the United Nations, have reiterated their adherence to the One China principle in the face of U.S. provocation. Who has de facto changed the status quo over Taiwan and who has really caused rising tensions in the region. I sat down for an exclusive interview with China's Vice Minister of Foreign Affairs, Ma Jiaoshu. He explained why Chinese reactions are the justified and appropriate responses to U.S. provocations. Minister Ma, thank you very much for accepting our interview. Over the past few days, the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit has sparked public outrage in China. Um, how do you view this political farce? Yes, this is just a political farce and a dangerous, malicious provocation. Speaker Pelosi made this provocative visit in disregard of China's warning. The visit infringed on China's sovereignty and territorial integrity violated the One China Principle and provisions in the three China-U.S. joint communiques, affected the political foundation of China-U.S. relations, and undermined peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. It is, of course, unacceptable to the Chinese people. China has every reason to respond with countermeasures. The incident is also a lesson revealing to the world U.S. motives to contain China with Taiwan and the intention of the Taiwan authorities to seek American support for independence. In its aftermath, the One China consensus of the international community emerged stronger and the U.S. attempt to play the Taiwan card and contain China proved more unpopular and fertile. The U.S. claims that there is no change to its One China policy mm -hmm. and that Pelosi's visit does not violate mm -hmm. its One China policy. Uh, how do you respond to that? The One China principle is the consensus of the international community. It is also the political foundation on which China develops relations with other countries. It is a red line that must not be crossed. What does one China mean? There can only be one answer. That is, there is but one China in the world. Taiwan is part of China, and the government of the People's Republic of China is the sole legal government representing the whole of China. This is a basic norm of international relations confirmed by UN General Assembly Resolution 2758. It is also a commitment made by the U.S. government in the three China-U.S. joint communiques. The principle written down in black and white is crystal clear. There is no room 
for ambiguity or arbitrary interpretation. The U.S. claims that there is no change in its one-China policy, but in fact, it has been undermining the one-China principle over the years. It has put into its one-China policy some unilateral stuff, including so-called Taiwan Relations Act and the so-called Six Assurances. This is against international law. China never accepts it and is always opposed to it. The U.S. also claims that Pelosi's visit does not violate the One China policy. Actually, the three joint communiques provide that the U.S. can only maintain cultural, commercial, and other unofficial relations with Taiwan. The executive, legislative, and judicial branches are all part of the U.S. government. Pelosi is the number three figure in the U.S. government. During her stay in Taiwan, she was speaking on behalf of the U.S. from the beginning to the end. Even she herself admits that it is an official visit. If this is not official engagement, then what is it? The U.S. also claims that uh, uh, the changes to the status quo mm -hmm. pertaining to the issue of Taiwan over the past 40 years uh, comes from China, not from the United States. Mm -hmm. What is your take? So what is the status quo of the Taiwan Street? The status quo is that both sides of the street belong to one and the same China. Taiwan is part of China, and neither China's sovereignty nor its territorial integrity is ever divided. It is not China who is changing the status quo, but the U.S. and the Taiwan Independence Separatist Forces. Over the years, the U.S. has been colluding with the Taiwan authorities and elevating its substantive relations with Taiwan. It has sold large amounts of weapons to Taiwan, helped it develop so-called asymmetric capabilities, and emboldened the Taiwan independence separatist forces. If these are now changing the status quo, what are they? Furthermore, Refusing to recognize the 1992 consensus, the DPP authorities have insisted on pushing for incremental independence and redoubled efforts to remove the Chinese identity of Taiwan. If these are now changing the status quo, what are they? China's countermeasures are a necessary and legitimate response to the provocations by the U.S. and the Taiwan independence forces. They are just unlawful. The U.S. says that uh, it will not seek and does not want a crisis and that China should take full responsibility for the escalation of the current situation over the Taiwan Strait. Um, what is your comment, please? This is confounding black and white. The crisis is unilaterally provoked by the U.S. Despite China's many representations, the U.S. still allowed Pelosi to visit Taiwan 
faced with this, China has no choice but to fight back and defend its sovereignty and territorial integrity. The responsibility and the consequence of the current tensions have to be borne by the U.S. and the Taiwan independence separatist forces. The U.S. claims that China's military exercise and crossing of the so-called median line in the Taiwan Strait are overreactions that has escalated the situation and threatened regional peace and stability. How do you look at that? It is the U.S. that is threatening peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. Taiwan is a part of China's territory. There's no such thing as a median line in the street. The Chinese armed forces conduct military exercises in waters off China's Taiwan Island to safeguard sovereignty and territorial integrity of China. Our measures are open and proportionate. They are in line with the both domestic law and international law and practices. They are beyond reproach. The U.S. and its allies often come to the adjacent waters of China, flexing muscles and stirring up troubles. They conduct up to a hundred military exercises each year. They, instead of someone else, are the ones that overreact and escalate the situation. The U.S. claims that uh, China's decision to suspend cooperation with the United States in multiple fronts is not punishing the United States, but rather the world. How, what do you say to that? The U.S. cannot represent the whole world. China has warned the U.S. well in advance that should Pelosi visit Taiwan, it, it would cause a crisis and major disruptions to China-U.S. exchanges and cooperation. Unfortunately, the U.S. said ignore that and went ahead with the visit. The Taiwan question at the very heart of China's core interests. The United States, while undermining China's core interests, is asking for China's cooperation where they need it. What kind of logic is this? China's decision to cancel or suspend cooperation in some areas does not come without warning. We say what we mean and mean what we say. There is no reason why the U.S. should feel surprised or upset. Let me stress this. As a responsible major country, China will, as always, take an active part in international cooperation on climate change and other matters. We make our own contribution to the tackling of global challenges. What the U.S. should do is to fulfill its international responsibilities and obligations. It should stop making excuses for its own mistakes. Some in the U.S. are comparing China's uh, military drills this time with uh, Russia's military actions in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And uh, they claim that uh, these actions will be denounced by the international community. What is your response? Such a claim is ill-intentioned. The Taiwan question is entirely China's internal affair. It is different from the Ukraine issue. The U.S. always stokes tensions and provokes troubles. Preliminary numbers show 
that between the end of the Second World War and 2001, there were 248 armed conflicts in 153 regions across the world, among which 201 were initiated by the US. Since 2001, wars and military operations launched by the US have resulted in over 800,000 deaths and tens of millions of displaced from home. After starting so many wars and killing so many civilians to preserve its hegemony, the US is now creating troubles in the Taiwan Strait. How could we possibly allow this to happen? A few days ago, the G7 issued a statement regarding Taiwan expressing so-called concern over China's actions. Meanwhile, a growing number of uh, countries and international organizations have voiced their support for China's stance and China's legitimate actions. How do you look at this contrast? Yes, uh, there are more than 170 countries and many international organizations have spoken up for what is right reaffirming their commitment to the One China principle and expressing support for China in defending our sovereignty and territorial integrity. Both the President of UN General Assembly and UN Secretary General have stated that the UN will continue to adhere to General Assembly Resolution 2758, the centerpiece of which is the One China principle. Compared with over 170 countries, what do G7 think they are? Who cares what they say? Finally, the U.S. claims that if China continues to take further countermeasures, the U.S. will be forced to respond, which may lead to a spiral of uh, tension in the situation. What do you think will happen next? It has been proved time and again that the U.S is the biggest troublemaker of cross-strait peace and regional stability. If the international community allows the U.S. to do what it wants, the UN Charter will be just a sheet of paper, and the law of jungle will prevail. In the end, it will be the developing countries that suffer. The Chinese people are not to be misled by fallacies or scared by evils and will never waver in defending our core interests. We want to stress to the U.S. do not act recklessly and stop going further down on the doomed path. Give up the attempt to use Taiwan to contain China. Play no games but return to the One China Principle and the three joint communiques, and do right things and take concrete steps to facilitate the steady development of China-US relations. Thank you very much, Mr. Ma Jiaoshu, Vice Minister of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the People's Republic of China. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll have a look at my interview with former Romanian Prime Minister Adrian Nastase. Stay with us. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak. <laughs> Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. 
We have hope for humanity and the world. An General Railway Company Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. A friend in need is a friend indeed. In May 2003, then-Romanian Prime Minister Adrian Astasa visited China while the country was facing the unexpected SARS epidemic. How have bilateral relations developed over the past decades and how has the geopolitical landscape changed? Earlier, I sat down with former Romanian Prime Minister Adrian Astasa. Let's hear what he had to say. Your Excellency, thank you so much for accepting our interview. Let me first take us back in time a little bit and go back to that very special period of time in 2003 when China was experiencing this uh, SARS pandemic and or SARS epidemic, but um, people like you do not shun the country away. In, rather, you came and visit China during that uh, difficult period of time. Help us understand what made you do that and uh, what memories you can share with us now. Indeed, uh, 2003, uh, the pandemic at the time, SARS represented a critical moment uh, for China. And uh, it was uh, at the time, uh, if we try to remember the very moment, it was after uh, the change of leadership, political leadership in China. And uh, it was in a way a test if the new leadership could resist economically and politically uh, to a kind of embargo. Yes, because uh, at that uh, moment, uh, because of SARS, uh, China was under a huge pressure. I uh, visited China many times. I knew um, as a foreign minister uh, back in the 1990s, I had long discussions with Chen Chicheng and other um, other outstanding leaders of China. And uh, I knew that it was a very important moment for uh, the Chinese new leadership. And that's why I wanted to break that embargo. And uh, well, uh, I think that my visit had uh, a, a strong impact, not only in China, but also internationally. But uh, once again, uh, I think that you have to put that in context. Uh, uh, for uh, Romania, before uh, 1989, before the changes in the world, in Romania, in China, China was um, what I would say uh, a kind of a safety net, a kind of a very important partner. Because uh, Romania had uh, a kind of a special position in between East and West, tried to uh, be independent uh, in a bipolar world at that time. And China was very important, especially in 1968, when uh, the Soviet Union invaded uh, uh, Czechoslovakia. Romania didn't involve in that action. But it was with the support of China that, uh, well, it didn't have the same uh, 
the same outcome uh, with uh, eventually the Soviet invention uh, in, uh, in Romania. Uh, but uh, there were some other moments when Romania and China had uh, a very uh, important uh, bilateral relationship. And that's why uh, when you think about uh, 2003 uh, uh, SARS uh, visit, you have uh, once again to put that in contact and to remember what the Chinese are always saying, the friends, uh, uh, the real friends, are tested when you are in need. The sense was very clear and I tried uh, all the time to follow uh, that uh, line of uh, thinking about the bilateral relationship. So once again, uh, uh, it's a lot of nostalgia in uh, coming out with, uh, with this answer. Mm. I think the, word, the phrase you meant, a friend in need is a friend indeed, could be translated into Chinese. That's what we normally say, yeah, when people <laughs> come to your help in moments of difficulty, that's true friendship, that's true feelings. China as a socialist country with Chinese characteristics, but also um, cons painted as a growing threat right, and China becoming stronger, of course, it has also more of its interest to protect and to promote in the world. And in that process, there are misunderstandings, there are uh, misperceptions. Um, so where to go next? Do you think this is a temporary period of adjustment? Uh, do you have confidence that things will eventually back on track? What can be done? It is uh, a time uh, when Everything seems to be uh, taken from scratch. The order uh, in, uh, created after the Second World War, clear will be replaced. It's clear that uh, Russia seemed frustrated uh, several actions of NATO, uh, of uh, the US. The changes uh, in China were also very important. The world uh, before 89 was bipolar with Soviet Union and the United States. Um, do you think there's a gap between your understanding of China and the kind of general tendency in perceptions about China? Because you have been to China many times. Not every Romanian had th that kind of opportunity. You understand China better and you have a historical perspective as well. Do you think there is a gap in terms of the general public's perception of China, not just in Romania, but in other countries as well? In other countries, uh, mainly. But I remember, well, I go back again to uh, 1990, to the visit of uh, Minister Chen Chichen to, to Romania. I uh, invited at a dinner uh, the leader of the opposition in Romania at that time, Ion Ratsu, and uh, he was criticizing uh, the Chinese leadership at that time. And uh, uh, well, uh, Chen Chichen, uh, a very wise man uh, that I admired a lot, said, Look, uh, what is the population of Romania? He said, uh, Raju said, 22 million. And he said, look, this is, uh, uh, well, A city. the number of uh, the, the Chinese, uh, well, uh, being born uh, every year. So we have to, to give them food, uh, jobs, uh, housing, whatever. So do you think that we, we can uh, 
afford to, to, to leave them uh, without a control of the society on those issues. And then he invited Ideon Ratio in China. He visited Ratio, he visited China, and when he came back, uh, he had different views. So I think it is important that uh, for those who visit China, yeah. who understand the magnitude of the changes, uh, by the way, I am a member of uh, the uh, independent experts uh, at the CIIC, uh, Shanghai Institute of International Studies, Mm -hmm. And uh, I visited uh, also Shanghai several times. Yeah. It's a huge change since uh, I visited before uh, right. that city, but also Beijing. So I think uh, more uh, well the people see, understand the changes, uh, uh, the standards of living, right. the policy uh, of the leadership. Well, they will change their perception, which is uh, in which has been introduced uh, in a kind of manipulation, of course, uh, due to the new organization of the world and uh, the kind of interests of the big powers um, in uh, in the media, in uh, social media. So I think uh, it is important to to fuel that perception with as much information as possible about China. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, a pandemic has made it difficult over the past few years, but uh, eventually things will open up and uh, there will be more opportunities. Finally, finally, we're running over time, but I do want to get this question. Um, this year, the Communist Party of China will convene the 20th National Congress in Beijing. Uh, what are your expectations? What will you be paying attention, attention to? Well, I know uh, that uh, the Congress uh, of uh, the Communist Party is an excellent opportunity for an in-depth analysis of internal uh, policies, but also of international affairs. Um, I am sure that, uh, well, uh, a lot of new ideas uh, and new measures will be taken. Um, with a view of uh, preparing for uh, to 2050 as a as a target. Thank you very much, Mr. Adrian Nastase, former Romanian Prime Minister. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. With that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin. As always, follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Liu Xin in Beijing. You've got The Point. <laughs>